This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Where this week is the final week of Chow Italia at all three Zupan's Markets locations. Uh, but I'm looking on their newsfeed newsletter that just came our way actually yesterday. And it is a nonstop scroll for all things truffles. Yeah, so, if, uh, if uh, in fact, I mentioned this to you a couple of weeks ago. I, I appreciate truffle. I don't know that I love it as much, but if, if you want to either, if you're into truffles in any way or if you want to learn about truffles, this is the way to do it because, as you mentioned, they've got, what, tr- truffle pasta? What What is he, What is that, truffle cream? Well, there's truffle cream in there. There's truffles you would put on it. Um, truffle I've powder? I've had the opportunity to go on a truffle hunt in Italy, and it's pretty incredible. So, um to enjoy the truffles from Zupans right now in many different forms is something everyone ought to do. I'm looking at, there's truffle chips here. There's uh, all sorts of truffle pasta from Tartufissima. And um, they've always had, Zupans has always had a great selection of pasta. They've done Italy very well on Zupans over the years, but this now they're focusing on it as well. So um, they even have some incredible, as you mentioned, truffle cream that has Parmigiano Reggiano in it, uh, some Pecorino Romano, that's another uh, variety of it. Um, it looks fantastic. Yeah, and, sure it- and as we've mentioned numerous times here on the podcast, Zupans doesn't expect you to Walk alone because they always provide great recipes for a lot of their featured items. So uh, you can uh, learn how to cook with truffles. I'm looking at the the most beautiful looking cut of meat. What is this? Extra buttery and silky potato puree truffles. Oh man, this this recipe it's like a slab of some sort of beef with truffle oil. Oh, I'm hungry, Chris. I, I was above that before I even got there. The uh, pasta butter and truffles. The tagliatelle. Oh, yeah. With truffles looks fantastic as well and they have a great selection of truffle oil too so it's great for salad you know great with salads or just as a uh, finishing oil yeah all the things truffle that you could ever hope for can be found at your local zupans as you mentioned early on chris three locations to visit west burnside mcadam lake oswego and if you ever need a reminder you just visit where zupans.com All right, it's time once again, Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angeles from Portland Food Adventures. Thank you for that nice introduction, Court Johnson over at kink.fm and the right at the fork studios, whatever that might be. (laughs) We're also, aside from just right at the fork, we're right at the glass today. We've got, uh, we've got a really cool podcast for the first time with, Three folks in the studio at the same time, and that's in the studio with quote quotation marks. Um, three three folks being interviewed at the same time. Um, we were fortunate enough right before they opened to get Natasha Mesa, Eric Russ, and Carlo Lamagna together as they open Bit House Collective. 
Yeah, there's a, there's some uh, big buzz about this. In fact, I believe uh, they've I, I, they were on a couple of news stations earlier this week uh, talking about this very thing. Right, and we talked about that very thing on the podcast, and that the TV stations are actually starved for openings and new positive news in the food world. Yeah, and kind of so are we. So, um, so there you go. So, and having you know Carlo and Eric being good friends, we've had them on prior episodes of the podcast. Court, did you make note of those? Yeah, I did. So Carlo's been on a couple of different times. Uh, episode 53, when he was at Clyde Common. That might be a good place to to go eventually if you want to do some research on Carlo. Uh, episode 53. And then he came back uh, a few years later, episode 221, uh, as he was starting to put together Magna. Exactly. So that's probably a better one to listen to. But... Knowing how we operate the podcast, the earlier episode would probably have more of his background going back to birth. Right. <laughs> yep. That's where we so, like to start. Right. And then Eric, we interviewed as he got Pono Brewing up to speed. Um, what episode number was that? Uh, I didn't make note of that one. That was, that, was, that was your job. Hold on. I can pull it up, though. Yeah, but I moved. Oh, that's right. You did. We were having some <laughs> we were having some technical difficulties um, earlier, and this is actually, believe it or not, for, if anybody cares, this is the third time we've tried this. Uh, Eric Russ, episode one sixty five. Right. So that would, I would guess, that's going to take us back into two thousand eighteen, into yep. the one June of two thousand eighteen. Oh, oh, remember those memories? Remember when we went and hung out at uh, Ringside Fish House with Eric Russ? I think it was right after we recorded this that this episode that episode with him. Right, but I also remember when you and I would go to Bithouse Saloon to have our right at the fork meeting. That's right. Meeting of the minds. It was, it was a good spot. Sure. So let's that's a nice segue because it's a beautiful space. I love it. It's really cool. It's old school brick, you know, it's a classic classic looking bar and so what Bithouse Collective is going to be is Natasha running the show behind the bar with a lot of great other talent that she has recruited through her years at uh, Raven and Rose and Deadshot, folks that she knew who could who could make some great cocktails. And also, um, so there's that. And then as far as the taps go, that, those are going to be featuring uh, Pono Brewing, that Eric Russ started a few years ago um, with his partner and also uh, bar food from Carlo La Magna and his uh, group of friends that he has developed over the years as he's cooked in a few different places, most notably Clyde Common and then his own Magna. And he did a lot of pop-ups uh, under Twisted Filipino. Uh, over the years. So um, Carlo will explain exactly what he has in mind in terms of bar food. All three of them will uh, explain what they're doing and what people might expect. And uh, I thought it was kind of interesting. I asked about the Detroit connection that both Eric and Carlo have, and they have some good stories behind that. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I think it's it's fun. You, we haven't heard of a lot of new things there have been a few things like Cooperativa and Phil's Donuts, and I guess there have been some new things going on over the past year, but certainly not at the pace <clears throat> that we were used to over the years. Right. 
Yeah, no, it's uh, when when I heard about this opening up, I was like, whoop, because it it we've been in such a drought for obvious reasons. Right. So it's new and exciting, and they're all good people. Everybody, you know, they're all people uh, that are likable, I think. Um, and uh, it should be a fun experience. It was a good interview. I enjoyed um, uh, being the ringleader of all three of them. We managed to make it work. Somewhere along the way, there's um, there's a couple of little technical di- difficulties, but we tried to cut those out without losing content. So, um, you know, that's the way it is in this world where we're relying on other people's internet connections. And this morning, mine. Right. Well, we're, we're making it work today, or at least right now, baby. There you go. Yeah. Now, check it out. See how we did. We we have for you BitHouse Collective right now. Right at the Fork is supported by Zupan's Markets. Whether you're an expert chef or a connoisseur of great cuisine, Zupan's Markets has been the number one destination for the food and wine lovers of Portland and beyond for over 40 years. West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego, or Zupans.com. Ringside Steakhouse. It's time again to slice into the best steaks and service available in Portland. Seating is now available by reservation only for indoor and outdoor dining at ringsidesteakhouse.com. And check out the newly opened New England-style fish and chip spot with a Northwest personality, Rock Paper Fish, a partnership between the Peterson family and Portland icon Micah Camden in the old Boxer Ramen space on East Burnside for takeout only. And by Portland Food Adventures, Cabin Fever, book a fantastic culinary vacation in 2021 with podcast host Chris Angeles. Experience the best of Basque Country with Javier Canteras of Urdaneta or Western Sicily with Taste of Italy's Austri Enzyme. Whet your appetite and get more information at portlandfoodadventures.com or contact Red at the Fork host Chris Angeles for more details. It's good to see you all. I don't know if you're going to think the same thing looking at me. <laughs> this is very cool. You guys have to be excited. How long has this been in the works for? <laughs> Tell me a little uh, bit about this, how this started. And um, I first started talking with the BitHouse folks, I guess, I mean, just shy of two months ago. Oh, man. This is a quick turnaround. It was yeah. pretty quick. They were, they were kind of at a... They, Maybe it was right before Christmas. No, it was after New Year's. They had been kind of at a, a point where they were maybe even, they were kind of burnt out. They own another bar and, uh, and it's just, you know, trying to limp their way along through uh, last summer uh, was pretty challenging. And they're like, well, if we re- reopen, we don't want to reopen and have it just be us. Like they felt like, you know, they want, they want some teammates that kind of can help carry things a little bit. And uh, so their idea, they, they are, we've been, we were already on tap here pretty regularly. No pun intended. After, oh, no. Yeah. Uh, at BitHouse. Not even a pun. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, then, and then we made the transition and they kept, you know, a couple of the old people, which included their beer buyer, uh, who introduced me to them. And they also put us on at their other bar where we do really well. And, uh, and so we've already had this great relationship and they love our beer and they were like, you know, we kind of had this idea of, you know, giving you guys all the taps and making it known like this is, 
a spot to get all of Pono, Pono Brewing's beers at once. Um, but they're like, we want to also kind of have our cocktail program going strong. And we want somebody to basically take over the kitchen. And we want those three things to kind of somehow each have their own separate draw, but fused together. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for a while they were, they had a couple of people who had restaurants that closed that had opened food carts that they had been, they had reached out to a couple of them. And I was like, well, why don't you give me a second? Cause I already have a couple people in mind. Cause like instantly, you know, they wanted to find a bartender who was ready to run their own thing. Someone who was ready to open their own spot, but you know, needed the right situation. And I mean, Tasha has been talking to me about this for Ever. at least a year and a half or two years. Yeah. And then, and I, you know, and I know a lot of her, you know, she's, she's good at kind of doing things like some drinks with tropical spins or whatever, but without going too far down the, the, the tiki rabbit hole, I guess, you know, like, um, and, uh, and then, and then, you know, Carlo and I had already been trying to do when we were looking for, when he was looking for Magna, we were looking for a Pono tap room and we were getting kind of close with uh, old salt. At one point, we were almost going to take that over together. Yeah. The idea of having these two, two separate business entities with their own outreach, um, being able to reach different demographics of people and having such different things that really do have, you know, we're, we're such a Venn diagram with the, the whole BitHouse collective in the middle. Um, but yeah, these guys, they're the first people I reached out to. They were immediate, uh, immediate maybes. <laughs> they were like, absolutely. Let's like the first time I met up with Carlo, uh, just to kind of be like, here's the generals about it. I don't know specifics, but here's what we're thinking. And after we got done eating lunch. He was like, can we go over there and look at the kitchen? And so we immediately came over here um, with his partner, Dante. Um, and, uh, and it was just like, oh man, this is, wow, there really is a lot of raw potential here. Here's my question, Carlo. Yeah. This must be fun for you after a year of the swamp that you've been in, in, out, in, out. And I know you love your restaurant and you have a lot of passion for it, but I can imagine that something new to work on would be exciting for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when Eric approached me about it, it was during it, we had just closed down. Uh, Again? Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it, that tis the breaks, right? It's, a, it's the pandemic time. So we actually closed uh, closed Magna December 23rd to to finally do some renovations, some real renovations that we really wanted to do. And those are currently underway. Um, but Eric hit me up in the middle of all the renovations and and exactly how he said it, you know, it's like, hey, this is the idea, this is what we're trying to do. He told me that Natasha was, you know, that he was talking to Tosh. And I, I've always been a fan of hers since Deadshot. Um, and it just, I was like, okay, as everything, I'm always very cautious about about the approach now because, especially with the pandemic, yeah. As I walked in and found out what it was, I was like, "Oh yeah, of course, it's BitHouse." And I remember sitting upstairs. Remember, Eric, we were sitting upstairs and like, "Man, I can't wait till this pandemic's over because it, it's going to blow up." Right. Um. Yeah, I love I love my restaurant. I still do. Um. I'm doing the renovations now to open the restaurant that I always wanted, 
versus the restaurant that I had to open because the contractors were jacknuts and decided to, to dip out, you know? So now I have this like rebirth. Um, but at the same time, I looked at BitHouse as an opportunity to be able to start giving back to my people that have been loyal to me. Uh, Dante and Roberto uh, have been with me for years, Roberto especially for a, well over a decade and to give back to them. So they actually partnered with me on a different LLC separate from Magna uh, Cucina. Um, and then we uh, now they're kind of vested in, in the BitHouse Collective you know, cause they're, they're equal partners with me, uh, at least on the food side. So it's a great opportunity. It's fun bar food. I'm working with two great people, you know, three technically, including the, the bit house people, but like, you know, with, with Natasha's cocktails with Eric's beer, Eric and Larry's beers and the food, I feel like we have a pretty smart yeah, it's very cool coming out of this. And I have to say, this podcast has been a challenge over the last, well, it became a challenge when I was looking for positive stories, right? So we did this whole series when everything started hitting about, you know, how it was going to affect everybody. And then after a few months, it's like, all right, we get that. So it's hard to find positive stories. This is one of the most positive things we've heard about because it's very hard for anybody to plan and build anything right now because right. you don't have confidence. Right. Um, so my, you know, one of the questions I have is um, it's like a, you all are powerhouses. You all have your own followings and you don't, I guess you've sat down and worked out the numbers, but it's difficult now because you're still in the middle of a pandemic, right? You're not going to open and it's going to go gang. It's going to go crazy. But, um, and I, I don't mean to get into the, you know, your spreadsheets, but when you have so many people involved and Carla, you're mentioning you have a few partners. You, as I count it now, there are five or six principals involved in this, at least, right? So can it be profitable? Can it be a good, uh, smart business venture with, with everybody involved? Let's start. With, Natasha, you haven't spoken yet, so maybe you can speak to that. Um, you know, because we all do have our own followings, um, I think that's even more reason uh, as to why it will be uh, extremely like profitable in the, in the long term, uh, because we're all bringing a super unique element to the concept, um, which, which just means more, more business. Um, we, we, all, we all have different, completely different types of followings. We have the beer, we have um, the cuisine, and I have the cocktail. Uh, so when we each bring all of our followings in, um, that can only mean one thing, and that's profitability. Yeah, and we were talking this morning, we have um, our, uh, our pineapple Kolsch, right, is getting kicked for the first time this year. And Tasha and I this morning, we're sitting around talking about like, okay, when this comes out, we're gonna, we're actually introducing a drop shot menu here. So like each beer will have a specific you can either drink it Boilermaker style or drop shot style or whatever, but we want to, you know, these guys will announce, oh, the Pono Pineapple Kolsch is on tap. And not only can you get it by the pint, not only does it go well with this, this uh, burger from Carlo, but also you get it with a little, a little scoot of blackstrap rum and drop it in and drink it down. And it's a, you know, it's its own cool little thing. And every time one of us has a new thing or a special, which we're all pretty flexible, creative people who are always going to be revolving in new things. 
I think each time that'll give people uh, a reason to come back. Yeah. Instead of it being a spot where, oh, cool. Yeah, I was there. When's the last time you were there? Oh, six. I love that spot. When were you there? Six months ago. You're like, oh, well, <laughs> you know, that's, that's tough to pay the bills when someone's going to a spot in Portland once or twice a year. Um, so we're hoping to kind of get be a spot that people are going to want to continue to come back to. So what kind of confidence do you have? You know, everything's all bets are off right now, right? We don't we don't know what the whole landscape's going to look like. You don't know how consumers are going to feel. Of course, we all think conventional wisdom would have it that everybody's just dying to get out and hang out and go eat and drink and do everything that they were used to doing a whole year ago. It's right. been a year since anybody's been able to, you know, do normal things. And it's been a, it's been almost a year other than, you know, things like Phil's Donuts and a couple of little projects along the way where I have been able to hear someone talk like you just were, Eric, about the synergy that you have and the creativity. We haven't experienced a lot of creativity in dining. Yeah. I mean, as soon as you put food in a box, for me, the creativity has gone. <laughs> and, I mean, that's the way I felt. Yeah, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to plate a to-go container. But you know, right, that's, that's where like to-go cocktails kind of come into play because you can still get a lot of that creativity um, when you when you do take your stuff home. So especially like here, um, we've had a, a couple people come in and, and order the food, uh, beers, and cocktails to go. And so when they go home with uh, with the way we do our, our program. Uh, a, it's, it's a it's a consumer experience at home because uh, all of our flavor combinations play just so well with each other. Mm -hmm. uh, so first, you get that that specific experience up front. But B, with cocktails to go being um, part of uh, something we can offer here in Oregon now, uh, they still get um, a really really uh, kind of more a uh, personal in home experience with the cocktail. Because what we do is we, is we give it with the garnish. We, um, you know, give it with the BFC. Um, we tell them exactly how to serve it. So essentially, they they can be a little more interactive with, um, with their personal home experience. Um, in, in with with that with the programs. I don't I don't doubt that at all. But for me, and I, I know there, you know, one thing I'm, I'm older than all of you, but one thing I know is that the way I think is usually not like a lot of people. And then it's like a lot of people. For me, I'm, t I just can't wait to not have the home dining yeah. and drinking experience. So for me, I just can't wait to go into a restaurant, hang out, see Carlos smiling face, right? And then ask him what I should order or just order on the spot at that minute for because that's what I feel like at that, that moment. Right. So, um, right. so, and then, so my question is, Natasha, I agree with you, but what is the percentage of people? And I'm not trying to, by the way, put a damper on what everybody's doing right now, because we're yeah. doing, everybody's doing the best they can, but what percentage of people are really excited about bringing home a cocktail versus that big market that you're waiting for, who's going to be sitting at the bar and ordering drink after drink after drink, right? How many order, how many drinks do people, can people order? I, I, I'm not a big drinker. So that's a stupid question for me to ask, but you know, it's Legally like, too. <laughs> Legally too. Um, yeah. but you know, not speaking from experience or anything, but especially when, when the, uh, when the pandemic first started, um, you know, people were, were probably ordering, um, you know, 12 cocktails a week. Um, 
to go at home. Um, and so, I mean, that's, that's like per person, like 12, 12 cocktails come in your fridge and you're set for the week. But, but speaking um, on everything kind of slowly reopening, um, what I've seen is if people are hungry to be out kind of like you are. Um, and so I personally think that uh, because we are slowly reopening, um, it, it's been great. We've, we've been filling up um, each night. People want to go out right now. People want to eat, drink, especially if you have a COVID-friendly space, a patio um, in the front, a patio in the back, and or socially distanced tables. Um, people want that. People see that. Um, and I think people are slowly becoming more uh, more confident about uh, going out and getting that, that personal experience that we're all craving. I agree, but it's going to take a little while to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think the timing of opening this, opening this and the state is, you know, or just even this county finally opened up the rest of the state. I mean, you're looking, I watched the numbers of cases and critical care patients and deaths pretty much refresh. It's the first morbid thing I look up every day. I can't not look at it. And you see, you know, in one week, we went down, I think the, the average cases went down 25%. Deaths are, you know, dropping and dropping and dropping, which is even the biggest number to be uh, hopeful about. And now all of a sudden vaccines are available to more of uh, that biggest uh, percentage of, you know, the, the folks that are, what is it now? I think 65 and over, you're now, you can now schedule your vaccine, which is like, as those people uh, get, get access to that. And then the, re- I think as, uh, I think we're yeah. as service industry, we're now available Johnson and Johnson just approved their thing on Saturday. So I think that, um, most of the news stories are this like cautious, cautious optimism of like, Hey, we're doing it. Everybody still be safe and like, don't drop your guard, but like, just keep doing things slowly, like slowly opening this place and kind of making sure we're doing it right and making sure people feel safe Mm -hmm. while also nurturing that, that hunger to just be social again, just a little, just a little glimpse at uh, an old, an old timey way of going out with a friend and sitting at a table and seeing the lower half of someone's face. We, I go back to, um, I just saw on my Facebook, our last PFA event was a year ago at our, a year ago last night at Arden PDX. And little did we know, I mean, think about everything that we took for granted yeah. before this happened. And we're all sitting there, you know, having a great time. If you would have told me, hey, you're not going to be doing this for a long time. And you're not going to be doing everything else you do for a long time. And you better like your house because that's what you're going to get used to. Um, who would have who would have thought so it's uh it's going to take used to, a little getting used to getting back together again but um you know it sounds like you guys have everything put together carlo um what are you going to be doing different here that you're not doing at magna uh well i mean you know touching base real quick on, on what you literally just said chris is that uh is that I think that's a mentality that every that everybody has to go into. You got you got you can't look at it as, oh, I've been in the house for a year. You have to look past that, and that's the the main reason why I got into business at over at Bithouse Collective, deciding to try to try our hand at expansion a little bit, is because you have to look beyond this pandemic. 
it's going to take a while to, to, to warm back up. You're right. But if you're not looking at the positives of everything, you're just going to put yourself in a hole. Right. Um, yeah. People are coming in. It's great. People are safe. That's great. We have plenty of room. That's great. I think creativity actually is even better now uh, versus, you know, what you said earlier, it's like, you know, cocktails to go or food to go is because we have to get more creative into making it more than what it is, which is food in a box, right? Mm-hmm. How do you make, how do you, how do you get that point across? How do you get the creativity across? And that's where our juices start really flowing is start battling that. It's like, okay, so you got to look at the positive. I mean, if somebody said to me, you know, if I knew what I know now a year ago, you know, what would I change? What would I do differently? That's how you look at it, right? Yeah, well, yeah, we took it all and we, we, we consumed it all in little bits and pieces and it kept changing too. So you can never make a, a yeah. full decision. So that, that was the part about this year is that honestly, this year was a reset for, for everybody. Uh, for, for Magna itself, for the restaurant, it was, all right, let's try these different things. Let's try these different dishes. Let's, let's, let's get that our, our OLCC. Let's get all these different things. Let's renovate. Let's make it new in opening the restaurant that I wanted versus what I needed to open back then, you know, um, and the future of BitHouse Collective. What was BitHouse Saloon is now the BitHouse Collective and working with powerhouses, like you said, like Tasha and Eric and, and, and having the beers and the cocktails and the food really go well together. I mean, it's going to be a completely different ball game. Look past the pandemic. Forget, you know, people are going to come back out. This summer, I guarantee you, it's going to, it's going to go nuts. There may be a spike somewhere down the road that may put a, a roadblock again. Who knows? But with the vaccines, you have to stay optimistic. Because right. if, if you don't, then you're screwed. You're just screwing yourself over. Well, um, yeah, you can't, you, you can't just stop. So I'm curious as to what you all think, because you're all experienced in the industry and you were all here when I don't want to call it. I don't know if we're going to look back at 2019 or 2018 and call it the heyday in the Portland food and drink world. But it was pretty awesome. It was growing and growing (laughs) and growing. And now, yeah, it's a reset. How do you think the... um, What is your thinking about the future? I mean, Carla, you're talking about being positive about the future, but I mean, we, we don't have, you know, John Gorham in town anymore, who I thought was, you know, a key player in the food world. Tasha, you got, you know, Deadshot is, and, and, um, and, you know, uh, uh, I can't think right now. Oh, hold, hold fast. That's gone. And, you know, there's so many good things. Vitaly Paley. I mean, I'm so sad about that, that his restaurants and watching Garrett Peck in Sisters, Oregon now. now, Yeah, just it's everything. It's just an adjustment. It's going to change. But so how optimistic are you? I mean, there is a line of thinking that says, well, there's less competition out there now. And everybody's going to everybody who's doing well is going to do well. Well, you know what? Um, I I think I have a maybe a different opinion than, than most people about the pandemic. Um, when the when the pandemic started and places started closing down, um, in my point of view, uh, I I kind of think that uh, yeah, we, we did have maybe it was the uh, heyday in some people's opinions uh, back in two thousand nineteen or twenty when we had all these uh, restaurants and bars. Um, I, I think. Portland um, and the and the industry kind of started falling a little bit stagnant 
um, there, there wasn't a ton of new innovation past 2020. Um, and it, it's, it was just becoming oversaturated with um, a lot of the same concepts um, and just kind of the same people. So in my opinion, um, the pandemic forced us to step back, um, restart, um, and it, it's giving uh, people, new people, the opportunity to step into the game um, and, to, and to start to uh, reinvent what the food and cocktail industry um, should be. Um, and so now that all these places are closed, there, there are so many new people able to buy bars, buy restaurants. And so what I think we're going to see is, um, you know, a increase in hospitality. Because um, that too, I feel like was kind of falling stagnant. Like people were so comfortable um, in the place we were being this powerhouse of the city of great food and drink. Um, the, the hospitality kind of lacked a little bit. Um, so now we've been forced to reinvent um, how we do everything pretty much. Um, now all these new, new baby boomers are coming into the scene um, and, and re-showing the city like, hey, it, like this is what hospitality means. This is how you treat people. Um, and, uh, you know, I think we're going to start seeing a lot of new, a lot of new fun, different concepts, um, a lot of new flavor combinations. Um, to me, I just think I, I see what's happened and I see innovation. I see the future of what hospitality is and will be. Yeah, agreed. So I, I, I think that's exciting. There's a lot of new blood, but I just, you know, I mentioned again, the folks like John Gorham, and not that Vitaly's out of business in Portland, but he's got one restaurant remaining, Paley's Place. Those people, in, you know, are the ones who helped develop this scene. I mean, no Bokbok. We're in a world with no Pakbok. I drove past there the oh, other day. That? Yeah, that, I'm sorry, and I didn't I, mention that. And I look over at that building and I, you know, it's like, it hits. I mean, I remember when I was even thinking about moving to Portland 12, 13 years ago or whatever the hell it was. And that was like, I had, you had to, oh man, gotta go to Pakbok. That's like, you know, that I was, um, was definitely like such a draw to this city. And then, but I mean, you look at, the way that he went out, right? He's like, it's not that I couldn't keep grinding it out yeah. this work, but maybe by me, like, I don't need to. And I've already been considering retiring. Obviously, it's a little early, than, earlier than what I wanted. And maybe that's not exactly what I'm going to do. But maybe me leaving leaves space for somebody who's younger, hungrier, ready to just grind it out because it's going to suck. He's like, I've done that version of it before and I don't want to do that anymore. I'm exhausted. Well, that's true, but I, when I, Tasha, you talk about hospitality per se and service. The one thing I think the older operators had a grip on that I didn't see in a lot of new places opening is service, is how to actually treat a customer at the table. I would disagree. Okay. I highly disagree on that. You know, coming from, uh, coming from Chicago, Come from bigger cities, living and eating in bigger cities. I agree with Natasha. I think Portland had a big problem with hospitality because those older operators that were around maintained a lot of stuff. There's some people, there's definitely some exceptions. So don't get me wrong. But honestly, when I first moved to Portland, hospitality, like the, the, the front, the, the true hospitality was shit when I moved here. It's genuine. Like 
like service wise like but I, but I I would cite I don't mean to interrupt you but I would cite that's because we had so many new young creative people who I don't think had a who were who were responsible from the top down who I don't think understood how, what service was I I, I would argue with you on some of the older operators that they at least knew what you had in Chicago. They knew, but that, but then honestly, like I've had some pretty shitty service at some of the places that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I attribute that to them being stuck in their ways and getting super comfortable and be like, meh, you know, I can skate by now. Oh, I, I have a big name backing me up and you know, so, you know, you, you don't have to agree, but as a, from a chef's perspective, dining out, like I, I haven't seen, honestly, like when I went to, when, when I would go to hold fast, when I would go to dead shot, the service was impeccable because people made you feel welcome. People made you feel comfortable, but then you go to some of the spots that you were talking about and they're so uppity about, about being there. They're like, Oh, it's your pleasure to, to be dining with us today instead of vice versa, where it's, you know, it's our pleasure to serve you. It's our pleasure to be here for you, you know? And I don't know. I agree with Natasha. I think I think that we're going to see a, an uptick in great hospitality because of that. I think a lot of the older people are just, I don't know, they got stuck in their ways and they should be done. I think the training, uh, there are a lot of young people too that don't care about this industry who are just like, oh, it's cool. I'm in a, I'm in a restaurant, you know, and that, that that's there too. But I, I think that, you know, I think now is the time to, the industry is changing. The The pandemic opened up Pandora's box for a reckoning for everybody across mm-hmm. the board. And I think, I think you're gonna see a lot of people who actually care about this industry and stuck it out with this industry. Well, are gonna come forward and start really putting their best foot forward because now it's a real competition, you know? Who's- I think that's a good point because anybody who's still gonna, who weathered this for a year, has to, you know, I've always said the people in this that I've met have a lot of passion for what they're doing. The one, anybody like you who stuck it out for the year or more, we're not necessarily done yet. Um, yeah, you have a lot of passion to keep it going. And I, I agree with you because I also think people are going to be that much more appreciative of service all of a sudden. Yes, over time, we all take it for granted. And that was always the the gripe that people had even though we had a great food scene in portland it always when when you start talking about the cons service would come up first so i hope i hope that changes yeah it will starting at bithouse collective boom pausing a moment here chris talk about one of our favorite places to eat in portland ringside steakhouse Uh, and now we can eat there yep. as opposed to just having takeout and kits, which sorry to use the word just, but short of gr- the great service experience at ringside, we're so pleased to hear that they're now open for dine-in service. Uh, Court, you'll talk about how to make a reservation in a minute, but uh, also they're still doing takeout uh, as well. So you can order takeout. Uh, up until 9 p.m. Wednesday to Sunday. And, uh, of course, make a reservation to dine in at ringside between 5 and 10 Wednesday to Thursday and 4 p.m. to 10 p.m. on weekends. That would be Friday to Sunday. Definitely something you need to uh, make part of your routine now that uh, routines are returning to normal. Uh, You can set up the reservations at ringsidesteakhouse.com. 
Or uh, one thing I like to do is I open up my Open Table app and uh, can do it that way as well. Both work great. I recommend either. So we started at the top talking about um, relationships and um, how you got you got a lot of people there and you don't know yet, right? It's your honeymoon period. You're all getting together and you guys know each you all know each other very well. Um, how are you going to manage uh, the personalities and so forth. It sounds like you're in harmony and sync and everybody's doing something other part of the business. So you get to own what you're doing, but do you have a plan for management going forward? I mean, it's, it's basically Tasha front of the house, Carlo back of the house. Um, when it comes to like my team uh, for the front of the house, uh, I couldn't have uh, put together um uh, a, a better family if, if I, you know, it, th- this is the best case scenario I could have ever even dreamt of because everyone currently in front of house, uh, it feels like we've been together for years and years and years. Um, every, every single person that works here, uh, they're all coming from really great bars. Um, hospitality is their, their number one, uh, concern when it comes to, uh, the industry. Um, they're all seasoned pros. Um, so they've, they've been bar managers at their previous spots. Um, the amount of like, everyone is just so cohesive um, as far as working together and everyone has a completely different personality, um, which is really fun and unique to watch because uh, as far as the front of the house goes, it's just, it, it just like melts together. Um, it's, it's, really interesting the feedback we've gotten from the first three days um from everyone from our just from our soft open um it, it seems like we've all been working together for for years and years um our energy like everyone's energy is high everyone's excited um and, and that's something with this specific team i don't think will go away because i picked for passion and and when you when you put a team together that all share that that same passion um, and they're, it's, the, it's hospitality. Um, they're not here because they think they're going to make a lot of money or, or whatever it may be. They're here because they love what they do. Um, they're innovators. Um, and, and they're, they're driven by, by just pure passion. Um, so, so I think that is one thing that's going to really set like this specific to apart because I believe the kitchen is the exact same way. All the guys back there are driven by pure passion. When it comes to the beers, these guys are driven by pure passion as well. Um, so I think passion um, for what we all do is something that really defines uh, BitHouse Collective. Well, I can, you know, we've had, I've known Eric and Carlo for a while. Tasha, I don't know you, and I'd like you to speak a little bit about your experience because I can cite former podcasts when we go deeper back into, you know, where Eric came from and where Carlo came from. But, uh, and I can say watching you two and knowing you two, you absolutely love what you do. So, um, and Tasha, you know, listening and having been to some of the places where you helmed, um, I would say that too. Um, but what is some, some of your background talk, can you speak briefly about how you, got to do what you're doing for a living yeah, and of course. where you um, came from? So I moved to Portland about seven years ago, um, wanting to get to the industry. And this kind of also speaks on uh, the industry as what it used to be and, and, and the vision that I see it going. 
so seven years ago, I, I came to Portland trying to get um, a job behind a bar. Uh, it was merely impossible. Um, so I ended up going to Belgium uh, and I uh, helped a friend open a bar, uh, went, went to a, uh, a trade show. After trade show, I saw a bartending competition happening. It was all in French. I didn't know what the hell was happening. But, uh, you know, I noticed that this impeccable garnish work that was happening. Um, and I just fell in love with whatever that was. Um, and so I go help my friend open the bar, I come back to Portland. Um, I'm applying to, to get into uh, the bar scene. But in Portland, uh, back then, it was all about who you know. If you don't know anyone or you don't have a name um, in the city, you're not going to get a job. So finally, um, I landed a job at a night uh, nightclub called Trio Club um, and uh, started working at Trio Club. Uh, about a year in, I started doing competitions. Um, won my first two competitions. I was like, okay, so maybe I can get a job in a reputable cocktail bar now. Uh, started applying to cocktail bars. Still, no one would take me on um, as a candidate in any position except for a waitress in a cocktail bar. Um, so I'm like, all right, well, maybe I just need to keep trying harder. Uh, so I'm at Trio Club. It's two, two and a half years deep, um, winning, winning more competitions uh, because I found that as a passion when I went to Belgium. Um, like if I start winning competitions, uh, maybe I can get a legit job in a, in a real bar. Um, still no luck three years deep in, um, in the, in the nightclub scene, uh, multiple competitions under my belt. I, I do a competition called speed rack, uh, speed rack first year. I end up taking second place. Um, I'm like, okay, so this is a classic cocktail place where you have to be super legit and know your shit. Um, so I, I'm applying to, to more cocktail bars, still no luck. I turn a uh, Tuesday nights at trio club into a craft cocktail night. Uh, where I raised sales by 95%. Um, aside from that, um, I finally had a discussion with uh, my friend Jonah, um, whom I met multiple times through the Oregon Bartenders Guild. I was like, Jonah, I was like, dude, can you help me out? I, I really need a job in a craft cocktail bar. He worked at the Benson Hotel at that time. Um, he was like, you know what? I, I actually just had a bartender that, that quit. It's like, so I might have a position for you. A week later, he calls me up. He's like, Natasha, um, I have a job for you here at the Vincent Hotel. I'm like, yes. This this is my ticket to finally get into the Portland cocktail scene. Start working at the Vincent Hotel. Um, that's when I finally got known as a reputable bartender because I'm working at a reputable cocktail bar. Um, start working at the Vincent Hotel. A year later, go to the Raven and Rose. Uh, spend a year at Raven and Rose. Um, after that, get picked up at Deadshot, run the Deadshot bar. Now here I'm at Fit House Collective. So every place I worked aside, well, even I guess Trio Club um, had a specific purpose um, in mind. And for me, Trio Club, the purpose was to get a reputable cocktail job. Working mm -hmm. at the Benson, learn classics. Uh, working at Raven and Rose, I, I took that job so I could learn how to do business from the back end, from a GM perspective. I went to Deadshot so I could learn how to run a bar, my own program. Now I'm here at Fit House doing everything I learned. So it's, it's, uh, that, that's like my progression. <laughs> that's well, and that's just a short period. You did a lot to decide to do that in life and move to Portland. But I, I'm particularly impressed with winning competitions without actually having a bar to apply your trade every day and hone it. Right. So you're winning competitions 
almost like, you know, appearing on Jeopardy, right? So you have to know everything without having done every single thing on a daily basis. Yeah. To do that, that's that's really impressive. And yeah, um, there's a lot, a lot of studying. Um, I've literally bought almost every bartending book you could possibly think of, uh, read each book, watched a lot of YouTube uh, to learn new techniques. Um, so, I mean, yeah, just su super motivated and driven to, to learn it all. So I guess it's ridiculous to ask someone like you, what's your drink? Oh, my drink, man. Um, so, honestly, I, I, I'm a tequila straight girl with, uh, with a soda water bath. Um, aside from that though, uh, that's what I'm drinking. What I really love to make, um, I, I love making sours of any variation, uh, classic egg white sour is kind of like really fun for me. Cause you can get like, really creative within the foam with art. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that's one of my go-to, uh, drinks to make. Um, and my main drink that I always order to test if I'm going to order cocktails at the bar is always the daiquiri. Oh, nice. That's the perfect answer. That's what I was looking for because yep. I'm always, um, and what do you look for in a daiquiri? Um, you know, honestly, it's, it's a, it is one of the easiest, but one of the hardest drinks to make, um, cause it's all about balance. As they say, balance is power. Um, and so you get a daiquiri, you can always tell if it's going to be pasteurized juice or not. Um, so that's one of the number one things. And the second thing, I always just look for that balance, the, the perfect uh, um, complement of, of sour to sweet. And then how much does it come into play, the person making that drink and the interaction that you have them while they're with them, if you can, if the bar call, you know, if the situation calls for it, the, the interaction you have with them as your bartender? Um, that, I mean, that, that is, is pretty, uh, I mean, yeah, I do look at that. Mostly I'm sitting I'm at a table normally, uh, with, with a group of friends, but if I am at the bar, uh, definitely I'm technique driven. Um, so I always look at the techniques, like if there's ice in my drink, I'm upset. Like, I don't want, I don't want ice hitting me in the teeth and I'm trying to drink my daiquiri. Um, so I always look at their technique. Um, other than that though, I mean, hospitality, if they're, if they have a smile, they can talk while they're while they're making it and or you know they just check on you um i, I just like when they're friendly to everyone not just like like service industry um that's one one thing i, I definitely look at because because being in the industry you might you might sometimes get different service than than someone that that just came to town from from you know ohio or something um mm -hmm. to eat and drink um so I always, always, always look at that to make sure everyone's getting this exact same type of service. If they're not, it might not be a place I really want to go to. Very Even nice. Are good. So, Carlo, you talked about before being a, a chef going out. Who's on eat. the move? Yeah, no, he's looking great. And by the way, nice house you got going on there. <laughs> Thanks. It's, it's going to go on for sale in a couple months. <laughs> oh, well, good. This is what, so maybe we should make this a video ca cast and help. Keeping those, <laughs> keeping those stress levels low, opening a new restaurant, pandemic, selling a house. Selling a house. You can you have know, another kid while you're at it, just throw that on the pile. It's one of the fun things about, one of the positive <laughs> things about this pandemic is going into chef's houses and just checking out their kitchens and what their families are <laughs> like. I, I've, I've enjoyed that end of it. And, you know, you can do that all over Instagram. But anyway, my question, Carlo, was... Um, what do you necessarily look for in a restaurant? Or are you always on the lookout? Do you just want to go and enjoy yourself and get away from it all? Yeah, it, it's so funny. Uh, whenever I go out to eat with my wife, she's always like, you're always working. I was like, well, you know, this is, this is my job. You know, it's like, 
it, it is hard for me to turn off the 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 uh, analytical part as a, as a, a sh- both a chef and a restaurant owner. You know, I walk into a place and you're just like, okay, they're instantly like, I guarantee, you, like Tosh, you walk into a bar, right, and you're gonna be like, oh, that person's like mixer, oh, it's gross or it's filthy back there. You're like, mm, I'm not, I'm going, I'm going someplace else, right? Yeah. You know, it, it, same thing, like, you know, you, Eric with beards, like, oh, okay, they didn't, they're not checking their lines or, they, you know, this has a funk or whatever. Um, same thing with the restaurants. You can't turn it off. You can't not, not analyze. So, you know, when you first walk in, are you greeted? It's like, they're the steps. Is someone saying hello to you? How long does it take for someone to notice that you're standing in the doorway? That was always a big thing for me. Like, you know, you walk into a place and if it takes somebody like, oh, you know, I, I don't care. Someone in passing, just be like, oh, someone will be with you in just a minute. Perfect. That's key. I can't tell you how many times someone, you're there. Just stop and acknowledge my existence. And I'm there. Yeah. But but oftentimes you have somebody just rolling their eyes, you know, just like, uh, like it's a bother to them that you're coming to pay for food and drink. You know, I hate that. And I think that, uh, I think these are the things that are super important is that, you know, hospitality begins as soon as you walk past that threshold into our place of business. That's where we're, you're on. It's always a show from the front of the house to the bar. I mean, if you've ever watched Tasha, just like behind the bar, it's like a, it's a show you want. It draws you in, you know, uh, and, and the food, you know, if unless it's an open kitchen, that show for the kitchen begins on, on the plate. And it's up to the to the front of the house staff to sell that to an individual. It's like, oh my God, you know, what's your favorite? What's your, you know, balance is power, so is knowledge. Knowledge is a big part of it, you know. And my favorite response is, how's the fish? I don't eat fish. Yeah, exactly. It, fish. It's it fake it till you make it. That's another <laughs> good <thing. laughs> You know? Like oh, when we were you know, doing when fish? we were doing beer training here last Wednesday, somebody, one of uh, Tasha's crew says, Oh, I like these, but I don't really drink much beer. And I was like, no, 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 no. No, that's not. At, that's, all, at all your tables when you're here, you love beer. Yeah, exactly. You love beer. You love cocktails. You don't need to know how often, beer. but yeah, you love yes. it. How's the fish? Exactly. This fish? I love this fish. I mean, I don't even <laughs> eat it. I'm like, oh my God, yeah, right. that hamburger is oh, lit. Yeah. yeah. I don't and eat meat. That's the but point. You know, it's so like, lit. Everything is great. Everything. Well now, well now I'm wondering: should I believe anything all of you say? You it's all true, though. It's all true. Yeah, oh yeah, it's yeah. all true. But like, <laughs> no, I, I think I just think that that a lot of people lose the the small parts of it, you know. And that's the things that I notice, right? You notice all the small parts of the hospitality. How's the? How, you can feel if there's tension between between any team member. You could feel that on the floor especially if you're in tune to the restaurant industry and you see those things. I look at kitchens. I look at servers. I look at fingernails. I look at how well-groomed an individual is coming into work. I look at the plates on the food if they're clean. I look at everything, you know? And, and then you're also looking, you're also scoping out the customers too to see I, how, how they're going to, how they're going to be as customers. That's exactly. part of it. That's the equation. Oh yeah. As the business owner on the flip side. Yeah. I look at customers, I'm like, oh, that one's going to be a pain in the ass or, or you know, this person's going to, but, but on, on that note, it's like, if customer's going to be in the pain in the ass, I don't roll my eyes and say, oh, you know, gluten-free, I'm not, I'm not going to be like, fuck this guy, even though I say that a lot. Uh, 
I'm more like, okay, how are we going to flip this person's opinion or flip this person's mood? If this person came in sour grapes, sour puss, how are we going to make them happy? How are we going to make their day? Because most likely we're going to be the end of it. We're the last part of their day, unless, unless they go home to another sourpuss. But that's not, that's not on us. How are we going to create an experience for an individual to make sure that this is going to be the highlight of their day? How do you do that? Or their week or their month, exactly. right? That's what you really want is, man, I, that's what I remember the most this month or this year. Exactly. That's, that's a, a job. Now, Eric, and nobody has been an ambassador to what you do more than you. Like, so you've been out there not only dealing with other restaurants, right? Trying to get, discuss the relationship to Pono Brewing that the restaurant has, but you also have been a consumer ambassador too. So everywhere, you know, when you're doing pop-ups or serving beer, you're also getting people there to drink your beer. So um, you've spent, how many years now since we met, um, we met what? Four or five years ago, I remember yeah, a few I think, events. I, I don't know what, what the first event was. I think maybe the because I, I know it was Coquine, but I think we were before that somewhere. Uh, well, we went to Twisted Filipino, the first yeah. Twisted oh, Filipino pop-up. Oh, that, yeah. With uh, the Harlow guy. We had some of those um, Filipino egg roll things or whatever. Oh, we're coming um, full circle. By the way, like, that was incredible because that was when Carlo was just starting to realize, I guess I could do something. I know you always wanted to do a Filipino restaurant, but you were a Clyde Common. You couldn't do it. And here's this guy. I came along and you saw an opportunity to, oh, I can serve Filipino food for a change. But, but Eric, when yeah. I met you, you never said, you know, I have this goal of making the best beer possible uh, or even – at, between that and now, you know, the cannabis industry and learning what some of the pluses and minuses of that were all about. Right, right. But so you didn't I mean, really... I've always been, you know, flavor driven, making the making the switch from uh, the professional cannabis world to the professional beer world wasn't entirely different other than it was uh, uh, as many restrictions as there are in alcohol. It's, it's uh, much more constrained as far as like, throwing events and pop-ups and things of that, like the, you know, Kitchen Chronicles uh, dinners. Uh, I've always been a flavor-driven person. I mean, my, you know, my family's always been, you know, when I go back home to Detroit, we go to all of our, you know, some of our favorite spots, and then they get so excited to, like my dad, especially when he finds a new place, hey, have you heard this place? Like, oh, I haven't heard of that one. And he's like, Oh my God, we're going. And he's just like glowing ear from ear that he found a new thing that we haven't, that I haven't ever been to before. And, you know, we sit down uh, with you know, a pretty big family and we ordered almost the whole menu. And it's just always, it's always been that way. Um, so do you have your connection with Detroit? Is that, do you think there's something underlying on the foundation with Carlo that you two? Oh, fun fact. There is yeah. indeed. There is indeed a fun fact. Uh, Eric and I figured out that what are you making now, by the way, <laughs> I'm making my kids lunch. PB oh, cool. That's never park. been done on the podcast in eight years. They're cooking. <laughs> it's a cooking show now. But Eric went to the same elementary school and based off of uh, calculations on how old we both are, we were in that school at the same time 
and 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 never knew each other. Holy yeah. shit. So we, we drunkenly well actually my mom drunkenly mom. figured it out. My mom, you know, my mom's like, hey, tell me your whole life story. Where'd you go to elementary school? Let's start there. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I went to Forest Park. And she just lit up. She's like, wait, how old are you? And yeah. yeah. That's incredible. So yeah. do you think, you know, you guys, I think from what I can see, and, you know, I've been around you a little bit, but mostly in social media. Do you think you're, uh, that you are getting along because of that? Michigan psyche, because you know, I I tend to get along with certain people from New England. Or no. <laughs> I think it plays a part. Detroit, I mean, Detroit has a very special uh, level of of personality and grit as a person, and that you carry with you. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, Eric, but I feel like if you're from Detroit, especially Detroit, like Michigan, you have a certain um, quality to you as a person and uh and you kind of latch on you know same thing like you said new england you know i latched on to, to michigan people a lot you know because you know we started talking about the same stuff like oh my god you ever go to the house of ruben or you know eric's like oh check out lady of the house and um you know you could ask dante and roberto too i i brought them to, to detroit for the first time a couple years ago when i did a dinner over there and they were like this is where i'm from this is who i am this is how I grew up, you know, and and yeah, I just and it, it's it's just so awesome because Roberto's from the Midwest too. He's from Toledo, Toledo, Michigan. <laughs> but <laughs> well, yeah, but there's a, there are shared experiences that you have, but there's also an underlying DNA to a yeah. certain region. For instance, you know, my not to I'm, I can reference myself. My sense of humor doesn't necessarily play well with a lot of people from the Midwest or from even Oregon. It's a little sar too sarcastic for some people, but Portland, there's a good amount of sarcasm going around. So it, it works. Um, but so, and Tasha, do you have any Michigan connection? Where'd you grow up? In Missouri. Her, oh. only, her only Michigan connection yeah. is my mom. I played hockey there once. <laughs> well, that's not the, you know, my mom went to University of Michigan and my father went to University of Missouri. So. Oh, hey. I don't know. So they and they got married and they shouldn't have been married. So I'm just gonna let you know that right now. Okay, okay. <laughs> they, went, they went 50 some odd years and uh, I don't know how that works. So I hope you get, you know, what is 50 years would take us to uh, 2070 at uh, Bithouse Saloon. You think you're still gonna be <laughs> there you doing, there you go. doing the same thing? So that, that uh, begs the question, how long do you all wanna be doing this? It's not an easy industry. And you've got kids, Carlos. So, um, you know, how long do you want to be doing what you're doing? Um, for me personally, I'm going to do it as long as my body holds up. But then that means that you have to, just like the pandemic shows how a lot of people adapt, you have to be adaptable too. Like I'm, I don't want to be cooking on the line at 50. I want to be cooking at 50, but I don't want to be on the line on a daily. Um, my job transforms now into from chef owner to owner uh and 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 basically mentor um that's why that's why both dante and roberto are key players right now it's because it's their time to shine it's their next you know it's their growth it's their their next steps to be able to run a business to be able to be there and eventually they're not going to want to work on the line so that means we have to hire up and that's kind of the the evolution of, 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 a, of a chef or a line cook for me 
is that I still want to be able to create. I still want a restaurant where I can put dishes on the table, but I also have to be humble enough to accept that, hey, it's not all going to be about me after a while. It's going to be about the people that you put in place. And that's the important part. And that's where, the, honestly, that's where loyalty comes in, man. Like, Roberto's been with me for 11 years. Dante's been with me for seven now, or six six years now. And, and Dante's two tables away from me working right now. While yeah. you're Hi, Dante. I love you. <laughs> oh, that there went the opportunity for Dante to listen to get another listener for the podcast to actually hear you blowing him up. So. <laughs> He's a great guy. He's a little lazy, but uh, I love him. And uh... <laughs> no, I think both Dante and Roberto. Like I said, I, I just so somewhere along the line we're losing a connection, and I think it's me. Yep, it's you. Rosie. I hate to say this, but we're start. I think it might be on my end. We're losing the connection. I don't know if the re we're still recording or not, but um, uh, so this, by the way, we've been doing this podcast eight years. This is the first time we've ever had three guests on at the same time. One of the positives of the pandemic, because we're no longer in the studio. First three-way, you know? Well, what? I'm not included. It's not a four-way. <laughs> now it's really memorable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I wish Court, I want someday Court to be in on these, too. But yeah, I was going to ask, how's he doing? He's doing great. I mean, you know, he's moved the he's operating a radio station from his home in Brighton, right. which right. is really interesting. So think about that industry, the media industry that's learning now, like Alpha Media. I don't know. I can't make the call for them, but all these companies are learning. Do we need all these cubicles and all this office space and all these, right. you know, you go up to alpha media, there are countless studios all over the place. Do we need those? So it's really interesting to see how everything's going to come out of this. It's not just the food industry and you guys are still, the one thing that we need is someone cooking delicious food and serving it to us. So that isn't going to change necessarily. And we hope one thing you haven't mentioned, but we hope that we have some really strong operators who now have polished uh, another arm of their business, takeout, <laughs> and those sorts of things that they haven't had before. Nothing you know, but that's a good that was that was sneezing. <laughs> she, she she wasn't murdered. Oh, good. That's a dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that's scary. Well, not only that, not only that, we cut out right then. So I was like, holy shit, what happened? So, <laughs> so um, we, haven't, we haven't done a lot of cutting out. Anyway, listen, uh, this would be fun. And let's maybe do it again after you're open for a little while. Let's talk about what your experiences have been, yeah. you know, oh, as operator. For years, I've never really wanted to do this podcast as a PR tool for someone opening some, that hasn't opened yet. I always want to talk about what is it like being open, but <laughs> things are a little different now. And you are all seasoned uh, guests, and we, I knew it would be a fun conversation. And It's been interesting. We've gotten so much uh, attention from the press pre-open. I hope, uh, A, people show up, and B, maybe like, you know, we don't get forgotten about. Um, but as there's not a lot of other things have uh, opened recently, uh, people are not, you know, it's like people are excited to see 
uh, this group doing something, you know, yeah. like we've got good, good people in our corner and a good, you know, like fan base and support group, but also to see something happening in our industry, to see a new thing happening is like, kind of like giving everybody hope that more stuff is coming. And it just, it's just at least one good story amongst, you know, all the other, Oh, this just closed and this just closed. Like, man, it's like, you can only read so many of those. Uh, believe me, that I know. You hear that's a good I, story, you're like, thanks. That's why I was looking. That's why I was really appreciative when all three of you. It's not easy to get three people to say yes. I can do this on a Monday, but I was really appreciative, and I know you're all wonderful people. And I think you're going to succeed beyond what you dream right now because you've got so many positive things working for you as things open up, and you're doing a great job, and uh, you will do a great job. So. That's uh, that's exciting, and it's been really fun. I wish we had more time, and we're over. We've actually got an hour and nine minutes, by, and we, we started on time. So um, thank you all so much. I really appreciate it, and I wish you the best of luck. And, Carlo, I, have, I just haven't seen you in a long time, right? Last time, I wonder if it was very long before the pandemic that I stopped into the restaurant, and we had a nice little meal together, sort okay. of. You dropped in, and then the pandemic hit. Not too long after that. It was just right. a few weeks. Yeah. It's funny because I can really remember all those places that I was, you know, I was blind at the time, mm -hmm. uh, but they really come to mind because I haven't been out really in the last year. So they're there and I can't wait to get to, you know, other cities and eat too. That's part of, that's part of what you need too. You need other people from other cities coming and finding out where to go in Portland. And at the top of that list, all of a sudden, isn't it cool? Is going to be Bidhouse Collective. You know, for years we had the standards that were at the top of everybody's list. Now all of a sudden, as you referenced before, we're going to have new lists, and yeah. that's that's exciting. So, um, looking forward to seeing all of you at the top of that list, and all of you in your in your spot in the collective. We're not, are we calling it a bar, or Russ? What are we calling it? It's 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 an experience. We're calling okay. it's like Jimi Hendrix experience. Awesome. Looking forward, to, <laughs> looking forward to having that experience. And who's curating the music? Is it the th all three of you? No, I have terrible taste in music. <laughs> okay, so that's good. Now you got two left. You know, it depends on the night. So I, I feel like the, the bar staff uh, typically goes through and, and does the music selections. So how are you? And but I'm just curious, how's the music? What's the media that um, you use? It's, it's been uh, so Spotify. Is that how you... Yeah, Spotify. Um, and as of right now, the way we've been open for three days, uh, Sundays, what we've only been open one Sunday, um, <laughs> is kind of like our emo rock night. Um, and then all the other days, it's it's really kind of instrumental. Um, so think like jazz, like uh, hip hop, jazz, instrumental, funky beats. Great. And that's an important part of the experience. That's why I asked. I missed that. Going into a bar and seeing what the vibe is with the music, right? Yeah. You can walk into a lot of bars and go, nah, this isn't for me, yeah. just based on that. So, yeah. or this is for me based on that. So, all right. Thank you all so much. I know you're busy and I sincerely appreciate you all taking this much time to chat with us. And um, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks Again. for talking with Thanks us. Thanks a lot. Bye, Chris. Good to see you, Chris. We'll see you soon. Okay. Bye, Carlo. Bye. I'll see you tomorrow. Okay. 
Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right